The sea was a very rough master and there was a very high chance of injury, falling from heights, getting caught by ropes, falling overboard and that kind of thing. Join us for another episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from Lancaster City Museums. I'm Millie Wellborn, a museum assistant for Lancaster City Museums. In this series, we're looking at 100 objects from Lancaster, Morecambe and the surrounding area to celebrate a century of our museums and to find out more about the past and how we relate to it now. Today we're looking at a book which records a groundbreaking financial contribution from those working on Georgian ships. Its pages contain lists of ships coming in and out of Lancaster and the money their crews paid to hopefully secure their future. Today's object is a book known as the Seaman's Sixpence. The book itself is a little larger than A4 in size but is quite thick. It has a plain greyish cover and is full of pages which were originally plain paper with no printed elements but have since been filled with rows and columns of handwritten information. The information it contains started to be collected over 270 years ago and the book has obviously had a difficult life in the intervening years. Sadly, many of the pages are darkened with age and have been damaged in places and the cover is now detached from the front of the book. But crucially, most of the information inside it is still legible. And from it we can see how sailors in the 18th century were paying into a fund which would help them in times of sickness. We spoke to Andrew White, former head of museums in Lancaster, about the book and the background to what is recorded within. This is a rather rare volume called the Seaman's Sixpence Register, but uh, is a local example of something which was a national affair. The Navy, the Royal Navy, had a reasonable system in for dealing with injured, uh, old or whatever sailors and their dependents, particularly their widows and so on, and had set up various hospitals and um, a reasonable degree for the time of of social care of some sort or another. It was realised that uh, merchant seamen were having a rough time the solution to this was a Merchant Seamen's Fund set up in 1747, though there were various uh, versions of this beforehand. Uh, and this varied from port to port. Many of these were organised differently in different ports. Some had things like Seamen's Hospitals and so on. Uh, some had been set up a long time before in, uh, in the major ports. Anyway, this is a rare survival. And it goes alongside the official lists, which are um, the returns of Siemens sixpences uh, and sometimes called muster rolls, where you have all the names of all the people on all the ships sailing from that port. This is a sort of halfway house. The fund collected sixpence from each serving seaman every month. Now, of course, months and voyages didn't go together uh, so there might be the collection might go on for a long time, uh, usually at the end of the voyage. Uh, if the voyage lasted for several months, then the, the not right number of sixpences or proportion thereof would be calculated for each man. 
And the ship was the unit. And the crew varied enormously. The crew would change every time the ship set sail. So when it arrived back at its home port, it would probably refit uh, with a, a new crew. Maybe the same master, who might also be owner, but uh, generally speaking, the crew would, would vary enormously. And of course, some would jump ship abroad, and some would die in transit, and so on. So it was all very complicated. Andrew delved deeper into the book to see what sort of information it records and what this can tell us about Lancaster as a port and the life of a Georgian merchant seaman. This seaman sixpence register covers a longish period of um, something nearly a hundred years and uh, from the 1750s and is uh, <coughs> gives the names of the ships sailing from Lancaster, their masters, and how much they'd collected per voyage or per per month, which amounted to the same thing, really. And it also tells you where they'd been, so it's quite useful from that point of view. So you get the names of the ship, the master, and the voyage, which is all useful stuff. Well, I take at random a page here dated 1797, uh, and... It has across the top ships' names, masters' names, from whence, and then a whole series of times of setting off and times of discharge and the money that were paid in. So these are sort of, this is a, somebody has added together lots and lots of little sheets and so on. And the page is full of the names of ships. So this first page has probably 12 or so ships. The next one has even more because it doesn't carry a heading. So we have ships' names. The Helen, Philip Baines, master, from Antigua. Some of the names are hard to see. Rebecca, Thomas Muggelt, from Martinique. The Venus, William Croft, master, from Barbados. And then a whole series where it says compounded for. I'm not quite sure what the circumstances are of those, but a whole series of masters of the ships Leighton, Vulcan, Cyclops, Lion, Fox, Tiger, Lark, and uh, a great many of these are from the West Indies, from Martinique, from Jamaica, from Antigua. So that is where a lot of the trade is coming from. And uh, substantial amounts of money, £3.5 and £10, £3.14, shillings, £2.15, shillings, which is, in those days, a lot of money in sixpences. What we're looking at here is lots of small ships by our standards. 300 tonnes was a big ship from Lancaster. So many of these would be smaller, still capable of making a transatlantic voyage. But the crew, because they were sailing under square sails and you know, it was all heavily manual, might have a crew of 30 or 40, uh, all paying their sixpence. Heavy work and long voyages. So what were all the ships doing out in the West Indies? Lancaster was a key part of the triangle trade, which saw finished goods and resources taken out to Africa and the Americas, the transportation of slaves between Africa and the American colonies, and raw material being brought back to Britain to complete the triangle. Ships may take part in all legs, 
or just part of this trade. Andrew told us a little bit more about the journeys of ships on this route. He started off by telling us how long it would take to do a journey out to the West Indies. A month or or two, depending on the, the weather, really. If they were lucky and had a following wind quite quickly, if not, then, and if it was, many ships were classified as slow sailors or, or dull sailors. And that meant that, you know, even with a good wind, they took a long time to get there. And of course, ships tended to foul in the ocean with barnacles and uh, torridos and things like this. Uh, so that would form a drag, which made it even slower. So they, they could take very long times to, to travel. Well, there was nowhere really to stop on the voyage apart from Ireland, where they tended to call in to pick up fresh water and sometimes things like butter and dairy products, cheese, because these would travel and were in high demand in the West Indies. So they would load up with their principal cargo here of valuable stuff, which would often include so things like beans would often be carried out uh, and supplies like that. Because some of the islands were heavily occupied with a huge number of slaves and not much agriculture, they needed crops to live off. The owners of the plantation would also want something for their money like fancy furniture or pottery or whatever, delftware, which was made here as well, something to look good. Uh, and so you get this rather strange situation. You might get gillows making fine furniture and filling the drawers with beans. <laughs> yes, every bit of space in a ship was required. <laughs> when they got to the West Indies, it depended what they were carrying. Uh, if they were carrying slaves, and if they'd already been on a voyage to West Africa first, then they would sell the enslaved people and buy with the income goods. Uh, if they were going directly with goods, they would sell those. They, many of the merchants had factors in the islands so that they could in advance sell in advance, as it were, or uh, at least find a market for their goods. Uh, and sometimes it took a while to sell stuff. Uh, so they might hawk around the islands for some time trying to find a return cargo, which was uh, these things, the sugar and the rum and the tobacco and so on. Returning to the Seaman's Sixpence scheme, we wanted to know whether the scheme was popular and if the sailors liked having it in place. Probably not. Hard to tell because you don't hear from them. I mean, petitions uh, are a bit of a rarity, I think. And I suspect that they grudgingly lost the sixpence but gladly received the pension or, or whatever uh, and had a, a little comfort that their widows might be provided for and so on, and children indeed. It's difficult to say. Uh, I think they had a bit of a raw deal, actually. It was not usual at that time to expect people to fund their own social care, as it were. Well, perhaps there was no social care, so nobody funded anything. But there were, in addition, charities which put money into this. So there were localised uh, sources of care like, as I said before, Siemens hospitals and things like that in certain places. Generally speaking, it would be some sort of payment, particularly to widows, which was Im immensely useful. They'd have to demonstrate the uh, that they were married, I think, to the, the person involved. It was also used for old age and so on. And indeed, masters contributed to their own fund, though I don't think they took part in this. They, they had their own uh, pension system. 
but there were no pensions at that time, so um, the sea was a very rough master, and it uh, meant that people were prematurely aged by heavy work, and uh, people's working lives were relatively short, and there was a very high chance of injury, falling from heights and uh, you know, getting caught by ropes and falling overboard and that kind of thing. Thank you for coming aboard for this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. Please do join us for our other episodes where we'll be discussing everything from Morris dancing to medals.